Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Courage Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Jessica. And this week, we have another amazing guest, as usual, Traver. I've read a couple of his books. He's doing some amazing things in the world of men's work. So Trevor, take it away. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I, uh, I've been on quite a journey in the past couple of years. In the last few specifically, working with thousands of men. And this was not my plan, Jess. This was like, <laughs> in a, like literally, if you had told me seven years ago, I'll give you a million dollars if you're working with exclusively men five years from now. I'd be like, give me the money. It ain't happening. But after I wrote Today I Rise, what was so fascinating, it's a book about divorce or how you use heartbreak, how you use divorce to up-level and transform your life. And initially, as I thought, I had a lot of women reach out and say, I read this. Thank you for writing it. Uh, thank you for being honest about divorce. There were a lot of people, I had read books during my divorce and was like, well, this is a bunch of spiritual bypass or avoidance um, or, or wallowing in misery. Where's the like, and this is what I'm doing piece. And about three months after publishing it, I had this weird thing where guys would email me and say, like, hey, I'm going through a divorce. It's, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm a year in. I'm two years in. I'm five years in. I have a brother. I have a coworker. I have a boss. He's a year in. He's two years in. He's five years in. He's struggling. Like, what do we do? And this was a really unique period of my life where I had just sold a business and was living rent-free. So I had a lot of time on my hands, and I didn't, quote, have to work. But I wanted to get engaged in some something. So I would literally reply to every email I got. What's your phone number? Let's get on the phone. Let's just chat. And I started talking. For about a year, I talked to hundreds of men. Just like, hey, I'm Traver. I wrote the book. Like, Tell me what's going on with you. And I would get story after story that for some, for some reason, my brain, my being, what I'd gone through in my own situation – training and workshops that I'd gone through in the year prior, let me see things from a different lens with these guys. And it's like, I don't think you have a drinking problem. You have an integrity problem. I don't think your relationship is actually in that much trouble. You, she's desperate for you to lead. Right? And just whatever would come out of my mouth. And it just kept, and then it kept coming out and kept coming out. And I could see repetitive patterns. And so like, man, this is like the eighth guy this month that I've talked to that has the same issue. And so I just started noting, noting that and kind of cataloging that, cataloging it in my brain. And then finally, you know, the famous line, someone was like, hey, you should really be charging for this. And I thought like, charging for what? We're just getting on the phone <laughs> shooting the shit. Uh, but that formulated like the basis for what I do. And so I did have a guy, his girlfriend reached out, classic story of like the girlfriend was reaching out saying, I'm going to break up with my boyfriend. He doesn't do anything around the house. He's uninspired. He's lost his courage. He's lost his power. He's lost his balls, emotionally speaking. And I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to wing this. Cool. Yeah, I'm happy to work with him. I'm a coach. I have a program, etc. And I remember sitting down with him early on, and, and he was this lovely guy, very, very sweet, very sensitive, uh, had trauma that was – hadn't really been talked about before. And then, okay, the archetype like snapped into place of a man who is feminine, which is perfectly fine, but had lost the, or had the, the desire to have drive, 
the desire to be penetrative, and I use that word consciously, the desire to be uh, forthright in the world, and the desire to consciously be in charge in his relationship. Not be a dictator, right? not be some tyrannical 1920s, like you do what I say because I'm the man, but he just wasn't showing up. And so I worked with him for a couple months and the transformation was radical. Right? The transformation was radical. And I went, okay, I think I may have something here. I will call it, I think at the time I was calling it like corner man coaching. I was an ex-fighter. I thought every guy needs a corner man. Now that was going, I had clients, it was going well, but I didn't feel it. I was like, oh, there's something more here. There's something more. And I was still kind of like, I don't know if this is what I really want to do. I had done a big project the year before called the Year to Live Project, and I really wanted to guide people through something like that. It's just a side note. And um, one day I was living in Brooklyn at the time, just hap ha happened to be in Brooklyn. I happened to be living there for a short period. I lived in this beautiful building. I was like, I'm going to throw a men's gathering, just like a one-night men's event. I've never done this. I don't know what I'm doing. And when I say, like, I've never done this, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I need to emphasize that. You know those commercials of, like, did you say at a Holiday Inn last year? You know, like that. Like, I am fucking winging this. So throw this event. And by event, I mean, like, I put out flyers. I had Eventbrite, Meetup. Like, again, four or 500 units in this building, papered it. And I'd go downstairs to the little convention area or the conference area, open the door, and there's one dude. And I was like, okay, cool. I remember my mentor being like, one in a row. All you need is one, right? So my, I thought I was like Tony Robbins, going to be like running down the aisle of some, of like Madison Square Garden. It was like me and this guy. And I talked to this guy nonstop for about 45 minutes about masculinity, about the masculine frame about masculine feminine dynamics, about penetration, about head, heart, balls, connection, about integrity, about the primal, about the divine, about like raw, real, relational, like all these points that I felt were necessary for a man to be powerful. And at probably the 45 minute mark, I stopped and took my first breath. And he was like, hey bro, <laughs> uh, if you don't mind, I'm gonna stop you here. I've been a fan of yours since your fitness days I just came here to ask you how I can lose 20 pounds. And I was like, oh, oh. I pardon the last 45-minute diatribe you just heard on masculinity. Okay, and so I chatted with him for a bit, and I'll cut the story short. Long story short, he was a heavy McDonald's eater. He was a cop. And so we parted ways. I gave him a hug. I went back upstairs. I was hanging out with my roommate at the time. And I was like, this motherfucker just wasted like two hours of my life simply to just be told like, don't eat at McDonald's. Right. And then that evening I hung out with my roommate and we had some really open conversation about our fathers, about an ex-girlfriend of his that had left him pretty banged up. Um, pregnancy, like all, all like real shit. We had a real conversation. And the next morning, get up, you're going to go to the gym. It's like five o'clock in the morning, Jess. And he goes, hey, man, just real quick, uh, when was the last time you ate McDonald's? And I said, I don't know where this came from, but this line changed my entire life. I said, I don't eat that shit. That's civilian food. And he pulls out his phone. He starts filming. And, he goes, uh, and he goes, 
what do you mean that's civilian food? You tell me more about this. I said, okay, take a look at this deal here. You and I are two very successful men living in New York. We don't have a TV in this apartment. We don't have drugs in this apartment. We don't have alcohol in this apartment. It's five o'clock in the morning. We are about to go get fucking savage on a pile of weights. Like we're going to get after it. Last night, we spent the evening talking about pain, trauma, hurt, relationship, real shit. Like this is not how, quote, civilized men live. And anything to do with being civilized isn't something I'm interested in. And he was like, cool. And we went downstairs and worked out. And the whole time in the workout, I had that word in my head. And this idea in my head I was like, man, I don't want to be fucking civilized. I haven't been civilized my entire life. I've been blah, 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 blah. And so I came back upstairs and thought, okay, primal savagery coupled with emotional intelligence, divine connection, like feelings, being able to tap into your heart, leadership, masculine penetration. I'm at a point in my life looking at the men's world where I see most other groups, or at the time I would say every other group, saying you get to pick one or the other. Right? You can come pretend to be yeah. a Navy SEAL for the weekend. You can get screamed at because you weren't in the military and you, and you didn't get whatever that structure was from your dad. Cool. We can do that for you. Or we're going to take you over here. We're going to turn you into, I know this is loaded, but I'll say it, like a soft vegan feminist poet. And you can just spiritual bypass and grow your hair long and you know manipulate women with your words. I didn't want either one of those. And I didn't jive with either one of those. I had a very unique background as a pro fighter, as a bodyguard, as a CrossFit gym owner. I was also a lifelong meditator. I have a degree in traditional Chinese medicine. It's very feminine medicine. I had two older sisters who I was raised with. So I had both camps. And I was like, I don't want to choose either one. I'm going to put something right down the middle. And I'm going to call it uncivilized. And that afternoon, I threw an idea out on social media. I'm like, hey, guys, what do you think about this? And... Boom. Here we are today. A book, a movement, branding. I got a dozen guys with the logo tattooed on them. We have workshops all over the world. A membership. Like the whole thing blew, just literally blew up. So that's how I got here. And as I said, for the last probably five years, I've spent day in, day out talking to men mostly and then sometimes talking about men. But I get the inside scoop. Like a lot of people are confused about men because they don't listen to men. Right? I get the random guy who will call me and I had a call with a guy yesterday. His wife left that morning and they get him. Or I'll get guys in workshops who will talk about what it's like to come out of the military, come out of the police department, come out of the most violent, awful, traumatic childhoods you could ever imagine and are struggling with this concept of how do I exist in a world that tells me I'm not supposed to feel while also demands vulnerability from me? And that is my life. And I've now partnered with some amazing therapists and have a whole team running this business and get to do some incredible things. But at the core of it is still this idea that if we can start to remove the suffering that is in men, which as a society and a culture, we're not quite comfortable with that idea yet, then and only then can we remove the suffering caused by men. And that's my goal.
both. I don't, we don't get to do one without the other. Society says, stop men from being toxic and assholes and all the things. They're like, hey, all these guys are traumatizing. They just need to man up and get over it. So my life's mission is bringing those two to the forefront. And I love that because I feel like so much is like teaching guys that like shove it down, shove it down, shove it down, you know, be tough, be hard, you know, David Goggins style. And, oh, I love your podcast with um, Josh Trent about that, about when's the last time David Goggins cried. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it's so true. And that's actually an interesting paradox that I'm noticing in Texas versus California. Majority of the guys that I encountered in California literally cried in front of me in the first month of knowing them. Okay. And mm -hmm. they had probably never cried in their life. And so I had a really hard time with that being in the mm. place I was at because I was living more in my masculine, you know, being in my career and all that jazz. Um, and then having all these guys cry in front of me. And it was like, I kind of, I kind of became a little bit like resentful of like, okay, well, where, where's the room for my emotions? Because yeah. you are so emotionally dysregulated <clears throat> that there's no room for me to have mine. Like, what about when I want to cry? You know, mm -hmm. like you have to be able to hold it together. But that was the hard part of working as a nurse where it's like, I had that back door into people's lives of like mm -hmm. the worst days of the worst of the worst of people's lives you know, death and dying all the time. So I had to be in my masculine in those places because I mm -hmm. had to be the one to like make sure everything was okay, you know, and mm -hmm. keep it okay. But in my personal life, that wasn't what I wanted to continue to do. But unfortunately, I feel like I do have the ability to hold that safe space that people do mm -hmm. feel comfortable to be vulnerable. But then it goes like, okay, well, cool, you can be vulnerable, but now it's your turn to take accountability and kind of be able to take control of those emotions and not just let everything not be drowning in them, mm -hmm. you know? And then now in Texas, it's more of the guy that you were just talking about recently on one of your posts talking about the um, withdrawn guy mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. like they're very, let, let me, I have to keep my head in the ground. I have to grind, grind, grind. And yeah. then it's like, they're so isolated mm -hmm. and they're so alone and they're not getting any help and everything revolves around like this dollar amount they're making this title that they can have. And they all have these, like the armor up. And it's crazy because mm -hmm. now that I've gotten more comfortable being able to sway back and forth when it's necessary, sure. I can literally feel people's energy so much. And guys that have that wall, I can feel it. As soon as I'm in their presence, that wall comes up sure. and like a little bit of them like peeks out of it. And then they put it back up mm -hmm. and I'm like, Hey, it's not anybody else's responsibility to scale your walls, but mm -hmm. people are there for you and they want to be there for you, but they're like unaccessible, you know? Mm -hmm. And then those are actually the guys that definitely are more fueled. Like their success is fueled by their suffering and they mm -hmm. don't want, mm -hmm. it's almost like that fear to mm -hmm. let go of the suffering because then what would drive them if they weren't in so much pain all the time? Right. Yeah. I've had to say to a number of guys, Pain is an amazing fuel source, right? It's a brilliant fuel source. Look at the art that's been created. Look at businesses that have been created, empires that have been created, books that have been written. But the problem is it's like jet fuel in a Jetta. It runs too damn hot. Eventually, it will burn you out. And so it's really hard for men to transition from pain, resentment, retribution, revenge, as my fuel source 
which also has a lot of shame built into it, mm. right? There's a, a great uh, piece, I think it's Robert Bly, who talks about the shame and grandiosity combination. I'm so ashamed of what happened in my marriage. I'm so ashamed that she left me. I will build Twitter. I'm not picking on Elon Musk, but like, I, that's the only way I can have value in the world is to build something that big. Or, you know, again, I don't know David Goggins' history, or I'll run 150 miles every day screaming at the internet because something inside of me is yet unhealed. And it's tough for men to make the transition from pain as a fuel source to love as a fuel source. But love will last you forever. And it's a different experience as you go through it. It doesn't burn as hot. Yes, you can creatively draw on it. Yes, it is inspirational. But you actually get to exist in a state of joy, in a state of satisfaction, in a state of actually loving your life and loving who the fuck you are, not like, all right, you know what? Fuck everybody. I'm going to go do this. And I think everybody needs to have a little chip on their shoulder if you want to do something big. Right? There's, 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 I'm not a, a, a fan of get rid of your ego, get rid of everything that ever happened to you. Like, no, I use that shit. Like, I want my company to be the biggest one in the world. One, because I know it's going to help people. But two, I have a competitive streak, right? I, I want to win. And I'm not winning making widgets. I'm not winning hurting people. I'm winning with an idea that actually helps and liberates people. So yeah, I'm going to put my damn effort into it. But I, I feel you. There's, there's a conundrum with men so many of them if we talk about vulnerability will say i did it once and it was used against me and that really unfortunately jessica is all it takes right it really is all it takes it's like here's this huge leap of faith that emotionally i felt if i did it i'm risking my own life like that's how that's how how different it is to us than i think it is to women Right? And like this, I'm putting everything on the line here if I cry once. And then someone comes along and is like, you're a pussy. Why'd you do that? Man up. Grow up. I'm, or a lot of guys have been left over it. Like literally have been left. So then what's the decision? I will never, ever do this again. And then what happens? They get in a relationship with a partner who has an ounce of consciousness. And it's like, hey, I can't feel you. I, I know something just happened in your life and you're showing no emotion. That's out of integrity. Like that doesn't jive with me. It's like if your arm was hanging off and you're like, no, it's fine. As humans, I don't care if you're a male or male man or a woman, you kind of know like, no, 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 your dad just died. Like something, there's God, there's emotion that comes with that package. You don't get just to go like, nope, I'm fine. But what he's holding the, on to is the, the last piece that happened. And the funny thing about that is I've actually... I've actually stated that before and trying to date here in Texas. And I'm like, Hey, like the lack of presence, the lack of the ability to be present and like the follow through, you mm. know, it's being like the push pull. And this dude's like, well, I've always been like that. This is how I've always mm. been. And I'm like, but how's that working out for you though? Mm -hmm. You know? And that's actually where I've seen resistance with men is mm. they'll come to me you know, with whatever's going on with them and they want to like dump all this stuff out. And then the, the finger pointing starts as soon as I, like, I don't point fingers. It's just, I curiosity, I invite curiosity in and I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, do you think you're truly this angry 
because what I'm seeing is like a lot of guys I meet at the gym, I work out at an old school bodybuilder gym and a lot of guys do bodybuilding there. And so many of those guys are very in that hyper masculine, don't show any emotions. And one of the guys recently was like, I'm so angry. Like I am mm. so angry. I, I'm having a really hard time controlling it. And then I was like, why do you think that is? And it immediately went to what was going on with the wife and I don't want to be married. And I'm like, mm. are you sure that's it though? Because that's usually something deeper than that. And there's usually conversation that needs to be had. And then it was like the defenses went up, you know? Mm. So I'm kind of like, okay, well, do I need to come at it different or is he just not ready to kind mm. of accept accountability? It's probably... I was going to say both, but it's not both. There's a lack of literacy that most men have in the emotional realm. Right? There's just a lack of literacy. And if we use a gym, for example, and I'm not going to gender gyms because I know a number of phenomenal female athletes, but I will say this. I took my partner, who is a woman, to a gym when we first started dating each other. She had gone to a couple of hit classes. She'd done some shit. She never trained herself. I used to own a gym, a CrossFit gym. I used to train high-level athletes. So we walk in and I said, okay, get yourself warm, right? Like when we're going to start with some back squats. And she just stared at me. I was like, what do you mean get myself warm? I was like, you know, get yourself warm. Like go for a run, jump rope, stretch out, like do some light, light movements, like play with the PVC pipe, play with the 45-pound bar. And she just stared at me. I was like, oh, you didn't spend a decade or 15 years of your life reading Iron Man magazine, watching YouTube videos, going to workshops, going to tutorials, like training people. You don't know your ass from your elbow in here. So you're frozen. That's it. She was frozen. Now she's great in the gym. Right? And so I'm using this analogy that that's most men's experience. And you say, hey, tap into your emotion for me, brother. How do you feel? It's like walking them into a foreign environment and being like, cool, just get comfortable here. There's, mm -hmm. And that's for a number of reasons. That's societal. That's familial. I think that's also a little bit of just how a lot of men are wired. Like we are highly uh, celebrated by systems that require emotional shutdown. And this is a, the secondary thing to think about. We ask men to be in positions that require emotional shutdown, right? We put men on the front lines. I used to say this all the time and it got me in a lot of trouble. We won't get rid of quote toxic masculinity until we ask men to stop killing and dying on our behalf. With that, we mm -hmm. need a certain segment of the male population who we go, hey, we're going to drop you in a foreign country and you're going to murder some people. Okay, cool. What does that what does that necessitate? That a little bit of the population's a bit psychopathic. Cool. I'm just gonna All say so sure about that. Is on fire. What do we need you to do? We need a bunch of you to go out there and risk your lives. Some of you are gonna die, some of you are gonna watch your friends burn to death. Oh, by the way, we also need you to fully feel your emotions and be able to express them. There's a clash there, there's a little bit of a friction point there. Now, do I think that we actually need to take those guys, bring them home? and emotionally take care of them? Absolutely. But we as a society aren't there yet. We actually have systems in place in those professions 
that say, oh, you come off the front lines of a war and you go to your whoever higher up and be like, hey, I don't think I'm okay. Guess what? You just got demoted. Yep. Career suicide. Career suicide. Yep. You're in the police department. You go, hey, I think I may be dealing with some depression because I watched, I pulled a bunch of dead kids out of a car. And they're like, ooh, sorry, you're about to get demoted or you're not going to get promoted or you're going to get labeled as weak. And it's not just cultural. Yeah. It's in the actual system. Like there's, there's real world ramifications other than the other guys think I'm weak. There's like, oh, I come home with less money. I don't get to keep the job. So that's our conundrum with the male animal, right? We, and here's my work is to say, cool, there's a time to turn your goddamn emotions off and go fuck some shit up. Now, that time is not relational. That's not when you're with your kids. That's not when you're with your spouse. That's not when you're with your buddies. That's not when you're looking at the guy in the mirror when you get home. You have to have that ability, right? But then we also need to teach men how to repair themselves, how to resource themselves emotionally. Trust me, I watch this at workshop after workshop after workshop where guys talk about the most horrific things and say, I've never spoken about this out loud. Then, woof, they do. I just got chills again. You'll have guys break down and sob and sob and sob and then see them three days later at the end of the workshop, different human. Radic the postures change, facial dimensions have changed, and we'll get an email two weeks later from a spouse or a loved one. They're like, I have no idea who this guy is. Thank you so much. I can feel him. He's human again. They go, yeah, because he lived through inhumane shit. And came home to a society that was like, you need to be vulnerable. Or a society that was like, man up. Yeah. Right? So it's very confusing. So most guys, when I talk about men who collapse, it's because of the if, – if you want to make someone schizophrenic, I remember Michaela Bohm saying this, like love them for something and then punish them for the same thing. That's how you make children schizophrenic. We do that all day with men. I know we do all kinds, I just want to just put the caveat, we do all kinds of abhorrent shit with women too. So different conversation, different podcasts. But since we're talking about men, the messaging is so uh, contrary and confusing that a lot of guys just go like this, they throw their hands in the air and be like, cool, then I'll do what's ever easiest, which is porn, video games, pot, dropping out, drinking, fuck buddies, Tinder, not, not being relational, saying things like, well, this is just how I am like poo-pooing therapy, not doing the work, because why bother? There's no But then there's there. that opposite side where it's like the guys that are willing to do therapy and willing to get things that almost just keeps them stuck in the same place of not being able to truly like own it and relate because it's like you have that hyper-masculine guys that want to like just stay in the pain, but then the other side of that is staying in the victimhood in mm -hmm. more in like the feminine energy. Cause that's what I experienced a lot of in California. Mm -hmm. And I literally told the guy specifically, we're still friends to this day. So he's probably, hopefully won't get mad, but, um, there were, there was a lot of emotion in just a few months that we had dated and some stuff that he never really dealt with that had come up again because, you know, when we're shoving stuff down, it's like pushing a beach ball under the water. It's mm -hmm. just, you just build up more, more and more momentum for it to just catapult up 
when it's the most inopportune time and usually mm -hmm. on the people that had nothing to do with what actually happened, right? Sure. So there was a lot of things that ended up coming up that he hadn't dealt with in the past that were he was finally coming up for him to deal with and he just mm -hmm. broke down and was so emotional, but mm -hmm. then also was like the nice guy stuff, you know, where it was very, um, let me do all these things for you, but then expect the specific outcome. And That's I right. just literally said, I said, Hey, you know, I, I try not to just, I try not to place any blame when I, you know, part ways with people just, Hey, this isn't working for me. It's not what I'm looking for. He specifically asked for constructive criticism. And I mm -hmm. said, I'm going to tell you this in the nicest way, honestly possible. You were definitely one of the most emotional guys I've ever met, but that's not a bad thing. That is who you are. That is a superpower for you. You just need to learn how to rein it in and get some control over those very intense emotions because you're dumping on me and yeah. I can't handle that. And I don't even know, I can't even meet you in the middle because you have filled the entire space with your emotions. Mm -hmm. And he did go to therapy and stuff after that. But what I'm noticing is that a lot of those types of guys, um, end up in many, their pattern is narcissistic women. Mm. And I notice, I don't know if you know anything about TRT or not, because this is like something I'm like way nerding out on right now. This is like mm. the nurse part of me is I notice that a lot of these guys that are more like the nice guys and that have a little bit of trouble, like having a backbone, really like standing for something and being able to say what they want. And they're more of the um, nice guy persona they actually end up with low T also, but then they historically also have been in narcissistic abused by women relationships. Mm. Mm. I mean, the, the correlation would be clear, right? You have testosterone is a wonderful thing. I say like we're in the whole gender conversation, like, yeah, but testosterone is not a social construct. So good luck with that one. Uh, it, it tends to change a lot of things when it's given to both men and women. Like we see behavioral changes that blow both sides' minds. Um, but the challenge here that, that you're speaking to is for so many men, the opening, let's call it, for emotion is through their feminine partner. That is the problem because it's either a re replacement for mommy like mommy used to hold me when I cried. You have similar traits to her as a female. You're now mommy, right? Yeah. Now, now, now we're just going to stop fucking, but I'll get to cry with you. And a lot of that also stems just because they don't have a culturally and societally appropriate other place to do it. Right? So we say to guys all the time, your woman's not your therapist. Period. I remember doing a post a couple of years ago. It was like your therapist, your your mother, and your woman. And it was like if you make any of the other, if you make one any of the other two, there goes your sex life. So don't do that. And that's not your job, right? I'm a I'm a highly skilled coach. I've worked with thousands of people. On week one of dating my partner, I was like, I will not coach you. I will support you. I will love you. I have ideas. I will not be your coach. Why? Because I don't want you to be my client. I don't fuck my clients. Any of Ooh, that was right. a really hard lesson for me to where the universe, I didn't get what the universe was trying to show me. It was like, Hey, you need to be guiding and coaching these men, not dating them. Sure. <laughs> Big difference. Right? Yes. Big yes. Difference.
Yes, absolutely. Two autonomous people. Way better can, now with my boundaries. That can meet in the middle is very different than someone who, that's, there's an imbalance that doesn't work. So a lot of men outsource their emotions to women. As, again, I will say to guys, that's not a conversation for the woman. That's a conversation for us. We've disconnected men from the male circle, from us getting together on a Friday night, not drinking, and being like, mm -hmm. hey, what's real with you? What's going on with you that's real? Oh, you're a fucking mess. Oh, you just hit a home run. Oh, you're doing great. Cool. Let's get it all out on the table. Now that you've cleared out the, the garbage, go home to your woman. Now, this isn't to say that in relationship, if something happens, right? Like I had a family member die three months ago. My girlfriend was in the house. I got the call. I ran upstairs and sobbed in her arms for a couple minutes. She's home. I wasn't like, hey, I need to stuff this down. I have a therapy appointment in two weeks. I'm fine. No, that's just human. That's relational. But then what did I do? I went to therapy. I went and talked to my men's groups. I went and talked to other counselors because this thing fucked me up. And she's not a therapist. Even if she was a therapist, she's not my therapist. So we have, a, we have confusion here also in the roles. Right? The old way, when I said I could look at the paradigms of masculinity, it used to be the 1950s Marlboro Man, is what so many men had modeled, which is emotion weak, feminine weak. You just provide the paycheck. That's it. That's your job in relationship. Do that. Don't drink. Don't beat her. Don't cheat. You are a rock star husband. Now, somewhere in the, in the last 80 years, relationship upgraded to more of partnership. And we as men are lagging in the relational aspect of that partnership. We don't have the training. We don't have the understanding. And most importantly, we don't have the modeling. We didn't see it. We learn by watching. We learn by experiencing. We didn't have a group of men that took us aside at 18 and said, guess what? You're about to be a man now. Here's what's required of you physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, etc." Instead, at 15, we were like, oh, wow, porn. Awesome. I think I figured this whole relationship thing out. I just need to pretend I'm a plumber and fuck my woman. That's it. And emotionally, good. I'll just shut right down. Or as you said, I'll collapse. Right? So it's, I have a lot of empathy for the male animal because I am one. And I remember coming out of a divorce and learning all of this stuff and going, where the hell has this been for 20 years? Right? I know the Pythagorean theorem, but I don't know anything about emotional connection. I've never in my life gone, oh my God, look at that, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. But I did get divorced because I didn't know how to make emotional connection, which was traumatic. And so when I get guys, there's a bit of there's societal permission that needs to shift and roles that need to be established. And there's just a huge lack of education. Just like when I say, I use the example of my partner in the gym. I what love that you are willing to go see people for each thing. And I think it's awesome that you already had some of those conscious friends. And that's something I'm trying to tell more people that they need. Is it mm -hmm. like, hey, we are better together, but we all have to be willing to show up whole and own our stuff. You know, it's like, 
I'm not perfect. I was definitely not always willing to hear or see things until you're ready for it. But then you get to that point where it's like, there's no turning back. I could never go back to sleep. So you know what? I'm in it to win it. And then you have to be the change you want to see in the world. So it's like, okay, well, where have I struggled in my life? Where do I need to expand, evolve, dig a little deeper? And then, okay, how can I help other people do the same, but also have more conversations about the shit that people don't want to talk about, you know? Mm -hmm. And I love that you were willing to go see an intimacy coach. Tell me Mm -hmm. a little bit about what you learned with that, because a lot of women come to me and this, I used to like want to be a sex coach because so Mm -hmm. many, it would just, part of me would die inside every time a woman would come to be come to me and say, you know, oh, you know, it's been like two weeks. I guess I should have sex with my husband. Right. Yeah. And there's, it was like this obligation and there was no connection beyond like, oh, we have to have sex and like, that's it. And everybody I think gets that so confused that intimacy is just in the bedroom kind of stuff when it's like, no, it starts way beyond that. And there's so much more involved in it. Yeah. I have so much to say. Um, <laughs> so yeah, first the, the man's name was Michael Russer. Uh, he passed, I think, three or four months ago. Uh, bless him. It was a whole story of how we met. He actually contacted me like a year before I worked with him because it's such a random story. I had started a herbal chocolate company. I talk about a different life, right? Um, and he, and then a year later, I reached out to him. I was like, well, I just got divorced. Um, can you help me? And this was a man who, because he had cancer, uh, I think he'd had his prostate completely removed. So he's like, you couldn't inject jet fuel, steroid Viagra straight into my dick. It will not move. It will not twitch. It is not, it is not happening. And he's in a very wonderful long-term highly, let's call it orgasmic sexual relational relationship. So, when I worked with him, it wasn't so much about sex. It was about, it's like, I, I know how to, I know how to quote fuck. I know how to keep my dick hard. I know where the basic anatomy of a woman is. I know what foreplay is. I know what turn on it. And I, I knew that stuff. I'd been curious about it earlier. What I didn't know was how to actually make connection. Didn't know that intimacy was the, that sex was the byproduct of intimacy not intimacy as the byproduct of sex. Although I've learned a lot of things since working with him, right? So there's, there's this whole dance that we talk about intimacy and sex. But if I go to more recent learnings, I, w- I work with a man named Dewey Freeman. He was this brilliant therapist in the 70s. who's like an equine therapy freak. He has this concept called contact. Contact is when we make physical, emotional, or spiritual connection, period. Without contact, we will never have intimacy. Now, I have had sex with people, with women, who I've had no contact with. Sure, there was friction. Our skin was touching, but she was in another country and I was in another room, right? Even though we were in the same room. So it's really about how do we actually allow each other in? How do we have openings? How do women create openings for men? How do men create situations that allow for safe openings? Right. So this is some of the early stuff that Michael taught me. 
remember him saying like you really shouldn't have sex with someone until you know them so well that it's a natural byproduct of that. And I was like, how long are we talking here? Like two weeks? You know, <laughs> I was a little less developed back then, let's say. I was like, there is no time. It could be a year. It could be two years. It could be forever. And if you don't actually get to the depth of intimacy, why on earth are you going to engage in what could be the most intimate act between two humans? So again, if we look now at men, and we say, have you ever heard of this concept called contact? Can you actually feel your own body well enough to feel your partner's body? Can you feel it from 10 inches away? Or are you so hyper-focused about getting your dick inside of her or something inside of her that that's where you're blocked? You don't have sex from the neck up, period. Right? And, and I'll say that, yes, from the waist down is involved. You have sex from right here in your chest and your stomach. Like that's where the actual connection comes through. So, again, like we're so un... And I say this, I was, I was this and I still have so much to learn. But we're so woefully uneducated in the truth. Because where do we get our education? An older brother. Dare class or whatever. Like, oh, cool, I know how to put a condom on a banana. No one ever talked to me about emotion. No one ever talked to me about energy. So it was Michael who talked to me about the energy in the female body, the energy in my own body, right? That like I actually protrude energy out through my cock and it comes in through my heart. Yet my partner takes energy in through her genitals and out of her heart. So we make this beautiful circle, this beautiful cycle. Now, just but knowing both hearts have to be open, though. Both hearts have to be open. Now, that doesn't happen in like just from the physical, though. There are there are openings, and then there are openings, and then there are openings, and then there's the open. Right. So, we, like, I may come home on a Wednesday afternoon, and my partner is a mile away from being open. Why is she upstairs fucking crushing business? She may come home on a Wednesday afternoon. I'm a mile away from being open. I've been staring at spreadsheets for an hour trying to figure out how to pay my bills. Now, if we both sit down in front of each other and go, okay, let's breathe for a minute. Oh, I can feel you. Oh, can you, you can feel me a little bit. Okay, now we're actually in the position to get in the position. But all of that's skipped, yes, it's all skipped. That we don't ever get beyond friction in the, in the sexual conversation. We don't ever get on, for men specifically, off of the idea of just release. I have so much tension in my body, I need to release it. Okay, cool. That's like 5% of the deal. But if that's all you know and all you feel is this tension and tension and tension and tension and tension and tension, then you look at the world like they're release valves or release vesicle, whatever the word is, right? Like you get what I'm saying which is a stunted and blunted view of this. It's like most men, myself included, when I, was, when I was married, knew 10 words about sexuality, and there's, like, there's books and books of poetry. Not to, not to make it too abstract, but like there's, there's so much missing. There's devo what about devotion? Right? What about that? What about, what about heightened intensity? What about lessened intensity? What about contraction and expansion? What about leadership and followership? Like if I sat down with most guys and was like, 
hey, how are you playing with contraction and expansion in your sex life? They look at me like I shit on the floor. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just supposed to get her off, right? Like I just rub the thing until she like, you know, like squirms a bit and then I'm good, right? Like, exactly. You, you nailed it. <laughs> That's all there is to it, right? And then go have some pizza. So we you know, just don't go. I just wish that it would, I wish that guys would be more connected to each other because it's like, I have all these conversations with guys and they are like, guys don't talk to each other about that stuff, you know? And one of my, one of my like super like masculine buddies, he opened up a lot to me and then I challenged him to go intentionally open up to other men because he was literally walking around with this wall up. Like I can't trust people. And if anybody asked him questions, he got really defensive. And I'm like, yeah. people are literally just trying to make conversation with you. They're not mm -hmm. trying to screw you over. They're not trying to get something from you. They literally just don't know how to connect with you. It's just making these moments of connection. Mm -hmm. So then he started kind of putting some himself out there a little more with guys. And we have this like running joke about like, butt stuff, which guys are comfortable, like having a finger in their butt. <laughs> and so now this is like his thing where it's like, every time he gets around a group of guys, he breaks the ice by talking about like, who's had a finger in their ass. And it's, he said it just completely, he said it completely diffuses people though. Like mm -hmm. guys get more comfortable wanting to talk about certain things when somebody else breaks the ice a little more. And he's like, I didn't even know these things were things because I told him, I was like, girls are nasty, man. We talk about all the things. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, but your best girlfriend, you know, your woman's best girlfriend literally probably knows every detail about your body, unfortunately, mm -hmm. in that way, because that's how women connect. Mm -hmm. And, but that's also why you don't see all these suicides and stuff when women, because we are finding people to connect with. And I'm that's just true. noticing that guys, they might have friends, but it's like, they're, they're misery friends. It's like who they call when they want to like bitch about stats, bitch about the government, you know, bitch, 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 and not actually be like, Hey bro, how are you doing? You know, and be able to actually have these conversations about sex too, because then I have that with them because I am that person that like, Hey, what do you like? This is what I like. Like, let's just have this conversation because I don't really like diving into the unknown in that way because then people's egos get hurt. So they're like, you don't understand. I've never had this conversation with someone before, including women, you know, like men don't talk to women about it, but then guys don't talk to each other about it. And it's kind of like, how can you guys help each other out a little bit more? But it's like, somebody has got to be the one to have the courage to break the ice, to call somebody out on their stuff. You know, do you know who Connor Beaton is? You ever heard of him runs man talks? Yes. Yes. Great, great guy. Good buddy of mine. He always said like the first rule of man club is you don't talk about man club. And mm. he and I ran workshops together. And on the last day, this was in British Columbia, we would take all the guys up on a hike and say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to partner you up. And by the time you get to the top, we want you to have this conversation. Talk about your first time having sex. Talk about the worst or most embarrassing time having sex. And then what are you curious about, about sex? Like what are some areas that perhaps you're curious about? And every single time we did this, every single time we would get to the top and say, okay, for, for how many of you was this the very first time you had a real conversation about sex with another man? And every single hand went up 
every single time. And we say, how was it? And they're like, oh my God, it's so refreshing. Just to have a, re not like, here's my highlight reel. Here's how I did, did this thing that I probably didn't, you know, I added a couple minutes and a couple inches. But like, here's a real conversation. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, what if we did break the stigma? Yes. It's, it's just, it's something in us just, so many guys view other men as competition or they yes. have trauma from other men. Is and that what that is? Because that's what I was noticing. It's like this wall up to other men. And I can't tell you how many guys come and want to be friends with me. And they're like, you know, they don't have any friends. And I'm like, okay, I will be your friend, but there are some hard boundaries because I am not a man and I'm a single woman and a lot of people get real blurred with that. And I'm like, bro, mm -hmm. I, I have to, sometimes I get a little bit mean, um, mm -hmm. where I'm like really strict on like, I don't date dudes with kids, you know, and I will reinforce those things in conversations. So they always know where the boundary lies sure, because sure. then it's like, I don't know if they get confused, but I'm like, no, you need other men. And what I'm noticing is that typically the guys that are saying like, I don't have any guy friends and I get along more with women exactly have that issue with like disconnected from other men. They're intimidated by other men. Mm -hmm. And those are the nice guys. That's like my bread and butter yes. is working with nice guys. And a lot of them have it for good reason, right? Dad was abusive. Dad was absent. There's a huge trauma on the father's side. Or older brother was abusive. Or older guys in the neighborhood were abusive. Or they have sexual trauma from other men that happened usually at an early age. Now, I get that. I fully fucking get that. Right? There's one way to make sure that never happens, and that's don't hang out or associate with men. There's also your classic, like we all... At, 11 and 12 were all good buddies. And then somewhere at 13, 14 went, wow, she's really cute. And all of a sudden it was a competition. And now you are comparing. You are like, oh, he gets her. I don't. That guy gets her. I don't. But he makes more money. He has more access to this. And here's something a lot of people don't know about men. We have very little power until we get to about 30. We have very little power in the world. We don't make much money. We're in, in you know, early positions. Most women, a lot of women guys are interested in at that age are dating older men or men who have more resources or men who have more status. And it's hard to compete at 17 with a 25-year-old guy. Yet your 17-year-old wannabe girlfriend can date a 25. Let's go all legal. 18-year-old wannabe girlfriend can date a 25-year-old guy. Or, or, or however old. So there's this big period for a lot of men's lives where they don't have any status, power, access to the women that they're interested in. And the view they have, especially now with social media, is like that guy does. And so men actually do mm. become the competition. And so we have to break down that, that wall. Like there's a reason I have an ethos in the number two tenet is be your brother's keeper. And it really becomes like, oh, you guys don't get this yet. These guys are your allies. These guys are your friends. These guys will support you. Here's something I also know deeply about men. On the surface, they'll, they'll josh each other and poke each other and, and, and prod each other and kind of make fun of each other. But under the surface, they'll come out of the woodwork to help. 
right? So the same guy who you're kind of picking on, you're like, hey, here's a contact for this company. Like, go talk to him. He'll, he'll hook you up. Like, guys love doing that. Where it's another conversation, but I often see the opposite with women. Like, oh my God, I love your dress. And on social media, like, she looks like shit. And like, backstabbing behind the scenes. So, oh, oh, yeah. Right? And especially totally coming from someone, in, this is like Bible Belt country, and everybody's married with kids super young. And here I am, like, being the rogue single one. And I actually had my neighbor's wife got really upset that I asked if he could help me with something. And I was like, I didn't know. I've never had that be a thing. And there has been, I've had multiple circumstances living here where other women have been very threatened by me. And I'm like, I don't even, I don't even get it. You know, um, that's definitely, I've just had interesting dynamics with friends my whole life anyways. Um, but yeah, in, in Texas, it's definitely been a thing. So that's a lot of guys experience. So the nice guy is uncomfortable with his own masculinity is uncomfortable with his own power and uncomfortable with his own sexuality uncomfortable with rejection because here's the dynamic that's so insidious with a nice guy he needs female validation he, I, he needs you but at the same time he wants you so he can't risk wanting you and having you reject him because then it cuts off the need now that is a vicious cycle of all kinds of terrible shit, of manipulation, of lying, of lying to himself, of, of like just, it's just, it's, it's a mess. Right? And but I feel like online dating perpetuates it. <laughs> online dating is another mess. Yeah. But it, it definitely perpetuates it, right? Perpetuates. And I mean, if you look at statistics, we can go to statistics of online dating. It's like, 80 to not 80 to 85 percent of men on a social media a public or sorry dating app will have no interaction the 15 to 20 percent of men will have all of the interaction yet 80 to 90 percent of women will have interaction with that 20 percent so it's like imagine going to a buffet and 85 percent of the men just get to look at the food and I know we're using a, a blunt example here but all of the women get to eat a little bit. Granted, they're only getting to eat five five things. But you see how it's, it's skewed. So that even then is like, I see this guy. This is where like if we internet dating and social media are this brutal combo. Where I get to see a guy on social media with a beautiful woman. I then go on a dating app and see a beautiful woman that I have no access now, for a lot of people, men, I don't care who you are, for a lot of humans, that would be hard. For a lot of men, that's devastating. And it Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan Peterson talks about how men are biologically wired to not be able to handle rejection. It's like literally like devastating at their core to be rejected as opposed to how women are wired and built. So that's really mm -hmm. a fascinating thing to know. And, and think also just from an option standpoint about rejection, right? If, if you come along and you are my, I mean, it has taken months, you are my one in 10,000 shot and you reject me, I now have to go through 10,000 other ideas before I get another shot where you can just walk out your front door and you'll be flocked. It's the, it's the opposing 
dynamic. Women will never understand the rejection of men, and men will never understand the fear of men from women. That's our, our, our duality together. But the thing about love and fear is that fear can only exist without love. So if you're living in a state of like open heartedness and love, then you're not ruled by all fear controlling your life and your decisions, you know? I get it. And it's a tall order if you're a guy who really wants to have a family and really wants to have a girlfriend and, and just can't. Like you've tried all the things and you're just running into brick walls. And I have empathy for that guy. I definitely have empathy for that guy. Because it's a loneliness and an isolation on a level that a lot of people can't really comprehend. And thus I understand the collapse. You know, you can only ask someone to step up and strike out so many times. And I don't care what it is. We talk about dating. We talk about work. We can talk about whatever. At some point, we just... Like, all right, fuck it. I can't win the game. I'm not going to play. You know? But unfortunately, that guy becomes dangerous. Yes, yes. So how do more guys get into the men's work arena, whether they want to – like, where do you suggest people start? Like, people that want to access the resources. But I also know other guys that are doing the work and that they want to join the movement of – you know, men's work and helping them, but it's just like, they don't really know where to go. And my suggestion suggestion to them has been to make sure they dive deep enough to mm. where they are comfortable with holding the mirror for people. Mm. They just need to have some courage, right? Like, first of all, read my book, Read Men Uncivilized. Listen to some podcasts. Read Connor's book on men's work. Uh, read The Way of Men. Read, there's, there's books out there. Like, dip your toe where you can do it at home. Listen to men's podcasts. See like these ideas that we're talking about. Do they resonate with you? There's a difference between self-help and self-development geared towards men and men's work. Two very different ideas, two very different languages. See if that works for you. And then just have some courage, right? I did a workshop or a, like a one night gathering in England about a month ago and had a guy show up who, and we're like, so everybody tell us about you. What brought you here? Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, I saw this on Eventbrite. I told myself a week ago, I'm going to start to do things that are outside my comfort zone. That is the only reason I'm here. I don't know who you are. I've never read your book. I don't know who that guy is. I, I, don't, I have no idea why I'm here. And he, by the end of the night, had shared some really amazing things about himself, had cried with the group because he had some stuff come up that he didn't know how to handle and was held by the group and also held some people in the group. But if he hadn't had the courage to leave his house, nothing's going to change. I think that's the, the thing I want to reinstill in so many men is like you come from a lineage of guys that like fuck some shit up in the Yes. Get off your couch and go to a goddamn meeting, right? Like go actually put yourself out into the world again. Engage with the world. Your problems will not be solved on your phone. They won't be solved on the internet. Yes, you can read a book. Yes, you can listen to a podcast. Yes, you can watch a YouTube video. But I could do all three of those on swimming. And if I go dive in a pool, I'm going to drown. You actually have to show up to the thing where you'll get taught 
where you'll be stretched, where you'll be pushed and, and you'll have to bump up into your edge. Like that's the thing, guys. Listen to this. Like you have an edge. And a lot of your edge is I'm too cool. I don't want my ego to get squished. I think I have it all together. I'm so busy pretending that I have it all together. You don't have fuck all together. You're one like half thing happening to you before you collapse or fall into addiction. And I say that with love because I was that guy. I quote, had it all together. I was lying to everybody in my life. So many of the men who show up to me are like, well, I just got this little thing. And then we dig under the surface. They're like, oh brother, you are, you are in a world of hurt. Like men, be honest with yourselves. You are, most of you are not okay. How do you open the door to vulnerability? Because I've had that conversation a couple of times with people and the guys I've talked to about it literally are like, it's not safe, you know? And I know Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability and shame and how, how vulnerability is the antidote to shame. I have to ask, is it really not safe? And if it's not safe, then don't be vulnerable. Right? So this is one of the other conundrums. I wrote a piece years ago called The Male Vulnerability Myth, or, or Why We Don't Need More Vulnerable Men. And it was like, we do need more vulnerable men, but it has to be in a safe container. And that man actually has to first, almost first, build up his own internal structure. He has to constellate in a way to go, I'm going to be okay sharing this thing with you. I'm not going to fall apart tomorrow. I'm not going to wake up and actually put a gun in my mouth because I can't believe I shared that shit last night. So we need to build these guys up first. It's unfair to say, hey, you need to be vulnerable and then have a guy open and express something really, really scary and vulnerable and be like, cool, have a great night. Good luck with the rest of your life. Right? So how do you open the door? One, you get them in a room full of men and have other men lead. I'll, I mean, my, I've written about my story. My wife left me, right? I had troubles with addictions. I've had all kinds of shit in my life. Read my fucking book. I do it for you. And, and that's why so many guys come like, oh man, thank you for being vulnerable. I, was, I wasn't being vulnerable. I was being honest. I didn't yeah. feel at the time like, oh, I need to be vulnerable. Like, no, I'm just not going to lie. Yeah. I'm going to sugarcoat this damn story because it's not going to help anybody. It's not going to help me. Well, that's also what I've been trying to explain to people is authenticity, you know, and I tend to be a little bit of an overshare sometimes, but I'm like, you know what though? I don't really care. Like some people are like, Oh, scale this back or do that. And I'm like, no, you can either handle me whole or not at all. You know, like that's just how I roll. Like I am a little bit intense, but I own it. And I know that there will be some people that will and won't resonate with it. And not everybody is meant to have the capacity to hold you in it. And that's, and that's okay. And being okay with people not being okay with your stuff, you know, because mm -hmm. it's, they're just not your people then. And that's kind of what I've tried to explain. Yeah. It's very magical. I don't know any other word to use than that. When you have a group of men get together and someone, there's always someone who will open with vulnerability. And then it's like dominoes, boom, 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 boom. boom. And it's, it's like crashing dominoes because so many men are desperately trying to hold shit that they're not meant to hold, right? And so they do, it's like they're, they're living on the edge of falling apart. And so when there's permission, like we say this at the start of every workshop, this is not the place to hold your shit together. Mm. Don't do that. Don't pretend that here. That's not it. 
And then one of my teaching partners, Michael Gay, who's this brilliant therapist, always opens the group work by saying some things are too big to hold alone. Some things are too big to let go of alone. And so we've also, we may ask a guy who has a, like a nine volt receiver to let go of a 120 volt trauma, and it'll blow his fucking circuits. It's not fair for us to do that. We can't do that. It's irresponsible to do that. Right? That's why we have therapists around. It's why we have trained people around. It's why after a guy may do a big piece of work and share something super vulnerable and we're off to the next guy, someone's with him. Like, hey, Bob, will you mind taking John outside and just sit with him? You don't have to say anything. You're not his therapist. Just sit with him. So he's not alone. Just get in contact with him. So he realized, because his whole training, his whole life has been, if you do this, you're now alone. So we're also going to break that pattern. We're going to break it in his system so he learns, wow, I share something, people stay with me. That's the million-dollar piece right there. That's how I love that. It. Yeah. Yeah, I just – I guess I'm just – I've been planting seeds, been planting seeds with some of these guys. And one of my friends did say, you know, hey, you've really inspired me to want to feel everything, and I stopped mm. drinking. Cause he's getting mm. a divorce Amazing. and yes. And I was like super excited for that because it's like, I've never been a drinker and I've invited him out with some friends a couple of times. And he sees that like, I go out with people and I am the same person all the time. I don't need any liquid courage for anything. And he's yeah. like, huh? I, he just like, I didn't even know there was another way, mm. you know? And it, so then, and I've talked to him a lot about your body because a lot of these guys, like that's the first conversation because the nursing background, it's like, they want to talk a lot about medical stuff and stuff with their body. Mm. And I'm like, your body is always talking to you. And a lot mm. of these guys are really struggling with like a ton of like joint problems and injuries and all these things. And I'm like, it's because of all these things you've been carrying all these years. It's fucking heavy. Mm -hmm. It's heavy. And it's not meant to be carried alone. Number one. And it's not meant to be carried forever, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like at a certain point in time, like you have to figure out how to put it down and numbing it away by whatever you're doing. And one guy tried to like hit me up to, if I had any like friends that I, you know, would be interested in something casual. Ooh, I laid into him and I was like, no, you're confusing love with lust. And mm -hmm. that if that's something you pursue, you're only pursuing people that are continuing the cycle of pain because a woman that's just going to sleep with you and leave is using you. And that's perpetuating the women in your life that women just use you and that mm. women abandon you and that women hurt you. And it's not safe. Women are not safe. And I'm like, mm. no, you, that cycle needs to end with you and you need to figure out where these things are coming from and start unpacking them and not filling the holes with just temporary people and things that are going to perpetuate the pain cycle. Yeah. You just think of the words you used. You said, like, that's heavy. We say that. Like, holy mm -hmm. shit, that, that's a really heavy, something really heavy happened. There. Like, we say that. We're, we're really good with our words. God, I don't know why my joints hurt. Well, a bunch of heavy shit happened. Yeah. It, it doesn't take a medical degree. It takes, mm -hmm. like, an English lit degree, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's cool to see how guys are being able to make some of the connection between their emotional body and their physical body. 
because another friend finally told his wife that like, hey, this is done over. I'm filing for divorce. And he's like, mm. I instantly literally felt like I had less weight on my body. I, I felt like my shoulder stopped hurting so much and all these things. And I'm like, see, isn't it amazing? And he actually got some of his guy friends to go to yoga because I got him to go to yin yoga with me. And then he got a bunch of these other dudes to go with them. And somebody actually, one of the guys actually cried afterwards. And he's mm. like, bro, are you okay? You know, but it's cool that he was able to hold that space for him. Mm -hmm. It's male permission. It's like every guy wants to be a leader. Or a lot yes. of guys want to be a leader. You say, like, this is how you lead. You just do it first. You don't have to proselytize. You don't have to preach. You just show them the way. I can't tell you how many guys have quit drinking in my circle after I quit drinking. How many guys have quit drinking in secondary and tertiary circles? I, I don't talk about it that much. Because it's like it wasn't a thing. I, I wasn't an alcoholic. I just quit drinking. Yeah. Like quitting CrossFit. Like I just, I just stopped doing it. And now how many guys have stopped and just go, oh, I just didn't know it was possible. Well, here you go. This is how it's possible. But that's the thing is it's, it's so much more than drinking though. And isn't it crazy that drinking is one of those things that people question why you don't, mm -hmm. you know, as like nobody asks you why you don't do drugs. Nobody asks you why you don't do CrossFit, nothing like that. Yeah. But if you don't drink, they're like, Oh, why not? And do you have a problem? Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's never been my thing. I've never wanted to escape reality. You know, mm -hmm. I'm like, I am comfortable in reality. And it's funny because doing mushrooms scares me more than drinking, you know, because it's like losing reality, but that's also part of like losing control, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's also why people need to do stuff like that is because then it mm -hmm. disconnects you from that. And then you are like, Oh, okay. For sure. <laughs> so how, where do you think men should start in the way of like, you know, sign up for one, a workshop like yours? Should they start a men's group? Like, what do you think is just like a baby step? Read my book. Okay. Read Men Uncivilized. I think a workshop's a big leap, right? We've had guys come to workshops that had no idea why they were there. Their spouse is something, and it's a lot. It's heavy mm -hmm. right? to hear a man wail over the things he's seen and experienced. It, it's, it can be a lot for people. Uh, dip your toe in the water. Read the book. Like I'm outlining a different way to exist as a man. Very clearly, very easily. Let's start there. Go to a men's meeting. You don't have to fully commit and say, this is the path yet. Like start small so it doesn't we don't overwhelm people. And it's like walk before you can run. Start there. Again, listen to the listen to some podcasts. Listen to my podcast. Listen to Connor's podcast. Listen to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. Listen to Mike Campbell's podcast. Like, follow people. Social media is super easy. Like, we talk mm -hmm. about this shit all the time. Like, hey, men, this is what's troubling me. This is what we see in the trenches. Like, reporting from the trenches. This is what we see. Then, then, then see how it feels in your body. Is it a bit confronting? Good. Right? Is it also a little bit attractive because you kind of get, like, oh, this is the work I need to do? Good. If it's completely repellent, you're just not there yet. It's okay. But sit with it. You start asking yourself different questions. What kind of man do I want to be? 
What are my needs, wants, and longings as a man? Have you ever thought about that? How do I show up as a man? How do people experience me? How has my past affected how I exist right now? Do you even realize that your past affects how you exist right now? What do you want to do for yourself that's different? Do you want to change your body? Do you want to change your sex life? Do you want to change your relational life? Do you want to make more money? Like a lot of these come down to the same core idea. Why are you here? I ask every single dude on the planet, what are you building? Why are you here? What is the gift that you want to give to the world? These are questions that are, are deep. These are things that need to be sat with. How much time do you spend actually in contemplation? How much time do you spend downtime? Are you addicted to your phone? Are you addicted to intensity? Are you addicted to media and, and stimulation? What's your relationship between tension and relaxation? How relaxed can you be in your body? Mm. You're not going to feel How a woman if you're not relaxed yourself, right? Presence, too. That is How something that is something I've gotten much, much more conscious of. And I can, it's so funny to just become the observer of all things, right? And you can see which guys in a room are have a really hard time being present. Like they're always like fidgeting and eating or like on their phone or, you know, scanning the room, scanning the room. And you're like, hey, hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. You know, and it's kind of like, it's almost like because they live up here so much that they don't really know how to be here. Mm-hmm. And they're riddled with trauma. Whole another conversation. You don't really acknowledge how much trauma men have experienced. So that dude who can't keep his eyes straight on a date, we have no idea what his background is. No idea that he's seen. I can pretty much guarantee you he's never been to therapy. He's never worked with a somatic coach. He's never been somewhere where he's been invited to express that. Quite the opposite. It's so bottled up. He's like a, a carbonated bottle of water. Just shake and shake and shake and shake and shake him. And we're like, gee, why can't you calm down? Because his insides are going fucking ballistic. That's a whole nother layer to all of this. And that's finding that stillness where those guys typically don't, they won't do meditation either. A lot of them can't. Yeah. Right? They can't. It's like there's too much and there's something needs to get cleared out of their system first. It's like having someone drink two Red Bulls. Mm. And they're like, cool, just meditate. Why, why can't you sit still? <laughs> right? Like taking a seven year old, giving him a bunch of sugar. Like, Can you meditate? Right? So it's these yeah. baby steps. Can you go for a. I had a client that could not go for a five minute walk without listening to full blast heavy metal music. Mm. He was so addicted to stimulation. And then he told me his, his upbringing and just the layers of personal, familial, religious trauma. I was like, mm-hmm. of course, if you actually take a breath and felt what was going on in your body, you would implode. I get it. Right? What did we do? We hooked him up with an equine therapist, so he got to stand next to a horse. That changed his life forever. Now he can meditate. But it wasn't fair in the beginning to be like, bro, just try five minutes. He's like, I can't go five seconds. Yeah. And then when I, after hearing his story, he was like, I wouldn't be able to go five seconds either. I get it. Like that level of understanding needs to come into it. And that's super important for us as women to hear because we look at the world so differently, you know, and we process things so differently that it's 
sometimes and like and our level of resiliency is very different in a lot of ways too so then it's like stuff that i've been able to accomplish then you know i find myself like telling other people like hey what worked for me and then not being able to understand why it's not really working for them or it's you know how it works for most people and it doesn't work for this person mm -hmm. but that's because of what they've experienced is different and to have more compassion and more understanding and more ability to like hold space for those people that need something different, you know, mm -hmm. that's super important to be reminded of for sure. And to know that there are these, all these other options. When you're different. Yes. It's the hardest thing to understand on both sides. Like why yeah. doesn't she see the world the way I see the world? We are just different. We could get rid of 90% of relational challenges just by accepting that we are different, right? My partner will never, she could train for the rest of her life. She will not be able to pick a deadlift off the floor that I can do right now without warming up. I will never be able to feel the world the way she feels the world. I could train, I could do all the somatic work I needed, but hire therapists and I just, I, I'm not a woman. I don't have the same nervous system as a woman. A big part of the challenge I think that came out of the, like maybe five, six years ago was men were being asked to be 190 pound hairy women. And then what happened? A lot of women dated those men and were like, this isn't what I want. So we were mm -hmm. asking for something, getting it, and then being like, oh, actually, this isn't what I want. And that seems to be what's coming back around is the pendulum swinging back towards the middle. We go, I actually want a man who is a man. Yeah. But he has to be emotionally intelligent. He has to have some emotion, some EQ here. Has to understand yeah. what relationship is. Has to understand division of labor in the relationship. Has to understand like, the relationship piece. It's a study. It's a subject. Right? And, and we as men just haven't studied it. We haven't been in it. It's not in, in our nature in the same way as it is in women's. And it's not in our training. It's not in our upbringing in the same way. But it's one, it's just not in our DNA. So recognizing that, like, cool, we are different. This is a huge, like, everybody relax. We're different. That in but itself, that's okay. It's, it's beautiful. I don't yes. want to date us. No, no. And that's the thing is I say all the time, like, just because I can do certain things doesn't mean I want to be the only one doing certain things. And just because it's like, I want someone that compliments me in these other ways. And it's like, I truly believe like where, if, if we can harness what we are confident and good at within ourselves, then we come to the table with like, Hey, this is what I come to the table with. These are the things I'm not that great at, you know? So I would love a little, you know, direction, a little push, a little, whatever in those ways, but Hey, I want you to be able to be honest about where you are and what you bring to the table too. And that's a little bit of the hard thing that I'm noticing that it's like, Oh, this much money or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what it is. You know, just mm -hmm. not being confident in, what they bring and what they are willing to kind of compromise on because it's just been this thing where it's just like, well, you know, kind of doing what I'm told kind of thing. And I'm like, no, mm -hmm. I need a man with a backbone. 
I need a man that stands for something and I need you to be stronger than me in those ways, you know, mm -hmm. because it's like, I don't want to have to carry the weight of the world. I don't want to have to be the strong one, you mm -hmm. know? And I actually, um, met a guy out that like, was like, Hey, you want to go work out together? And I'm like, all right, cool. Like, sure. Sounds fun. You know, like that is one place hardcore. I want to be told what to do is the gym. And mm. I get to the gym with this dude and we'd already agreed that we were going to do legs. And he's like, so what do you want to do? And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Like, I don't want to plan the workout. I don't want to tell a man what to do in the gym. And he's like, well, normally I kind of do like body weight stuff. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> so he finally chose a workout, which was like kind of a circuit workout that he chose. And then he like literally died and I barely broke a sweat. Mm. And I was like, you okay? You good? <laughs> and then he wanted to Rochambeau or I mean, rock, paper, scissors for who paid for brunch. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, I've never had something like that happen before. And I was mm. already very like. I wasn't interested in dating this person. I just thought like I could be friends with people, you know, and, um, I was totally comfortable paying my half, but no, he wanted to rock, paper, scissor. And of course I lost. So I paid for us both. Fascinating. Very. I'm, I'm going to write a book about my dating life, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. I'm still sitting on a book about my dating life. You what? I said, I'm still sitting on a book about my dating life. Oh, listening to yours. I was That's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I could like feel all that. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've had dudes like literally dump all their childhood trauma that they've literally never told anyone on the mm -hmm. first night of meeting them. And I'm like, you know, how do you even respond to that? Because then there goes that rejection thing. Like I mm -hmm. was vulnerable and she rejected me. And it's like, mm -hmm. Can we like, you know, talk about what we like to eat first, you know, yeah. like, can, can we get to that later? You know, yeah. it's like, I'm not your therapist. I like that you, you reiterate that over and over again, because that is something I've run into quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can collab on this crazy dating yeah. book. <laughs> <laughs> well, Traver, thank you so, so much for your That's time awesome. and what's the best way for people to find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Traver Bohm, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. You can get either of my books on Amazon, Man Uncivilized, Today I Rise. I have a podcast, The Uncivilized Podcast, which I'm now doing a whole like eight to 12 months of solos. So just teaching from the book, teaching these ideas. I've had years of amazing guests, but I really want to dive into just a lot of the subjects that I see or get asked about and may not have a long form platform for. So that's what I'm doing uh, with that. Or just go to the website, manuncivilized.com. That has all the events, that has coaching, that has courses. That's a, a lot of my work is there. Perfect. Thank you so much. And it's been fun. And I hope that everybody enjoys this episode as much as we did recording it. See you on the Thank next one. Thank you so one. much for having me.